on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you're rocking with us, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can get alert of all our great content right away. While you're at it, like and comment too. Pat P, what are we going to cover on this episode? Yo, Mac, the season is finally here. We're going to give our final thoughts before kickoff and talk about the Vikes and their entire league. Plus, it's t- it's about time that we got another tiger on the show. Man, how many tigers we how many tigers we gonna have, Pat P? Dang! But go ahead, carry yeah, I mean, on. I mean, we bleed purple and gold. I gotta I gotta have my tigers on the on the show every chance that we get. No doubt. And I knew we lost last week, but that's okay because we're gonna chat with a national champion, a mm-hmm. national champion, Nick Saban. Back in the uh, early 2000s, uh, an LSU great Marcus Spears going to join the show. Stay tuned. Gore Tigers and my coach O-Voice. I hope I did it right. Ladies and gents, first quarter of our show, no time is here's where we'll be chopping it up. And in honor of week one, before we get into our school check-in, we want to take a trip down with mem- to memory lane with you guys. Pat P, week one football, rookie year. It doesn't have to be week one for you, but any point in time during your rookie year, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? Uh, I probably have to say that 89-yard punt return. Against Carolina? If it was 89. Yeah, I think it was 89. Uh, yeah, against Carolina. It was almost like the, the walk-off touchdown because the game was mm. – It was like seven minutes left in the game. It was 21-21, rookie versus rookie, me versus Cam Newton. Cam yeah, yeah coming out of the lockouts and then having like a full uh, training camp with the team. So, yeah, it was like that fourth quarter, seven minutes ago. I, I filled that punt and took it to the crib. It was like that was my welcome to the NFL moment. What about nope. your 06? 05. 05. 05. So my 05 welcome to the uh, NFL moment was my rookie year. I can't remember what game it was, but it was kind of nippy outside. It was a little chilly. We were playing against Jacksonville. Uh, so, uh, one of the corners go down, I'm in the game and I'm lining up across from Jimmy Smith. Oh boy. Jimmy Smith gave me hell out there. When I tell you he's one of the great ones that don't get talked about enough. Jimmy Smith gave me hell out there. And I'm like, yo, I thought I was a physical big corner. You can, you know, used to college wide receivers and man, Jimmy Smith was a whole nother level, but you know what I mean? I, I calmed down and in the fourth quarter, uh, they're driving getting ready to score, but they were already in field goal range, Pat P. And I remember we called Diamond Way, Wheat Cobra White. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the corner blitz. You know Ray Orton. Yeah, Uh Ray Orton brought that out to you guys, a corner blitz. So backside corner, who was Ike at the time, he was the weak side corner. Uh, He was to the boundary. So he was a weak side corner. Yeah, him and the dime blitz. And to the strong side, to the field, we were playing quarters. 
So I was playing inside man on, I think the wide receiver was Reggie Williams, if I'm not mistaken, former first runner from Washington. But anyway, B left, tried to take a shot. They were already in field goal range. He tried to take a shot, came down with my first interception that led to uh, an overtime opportunity for both teams. So that was my welcome to the NFL moment, to say at least in two different uh, 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 situations, uh, two different situations in the ball game. Lined up on Jimmy Smith, who gave me all nothing but work. <laughs> and then, you know, coming through prevailing and being able to get an interception that took the game to overtime. That's good. Vikings, stand up. You guys know what time it is. This is our school check-in. Man, the season is here. It's here, baby. Oh, the season is here. Before we talk about the season updates and predictions, Pat P, I was on fire this weekend betting. Oh, my goodness. Listen here. Listen here. Oh, I Ooh, my parlays were hit. I was hibachi hot. Ooh, that stove. It wasn't a regular stove. That was the hibachi grill, baby. I was on fire. I'm already getting ready for my NFL parlays. My tickets will be fired up coming up this Thursday with the Tampa Bay and Dallas matchup. But because the season is here, it's not just about getting betting and winning money. It's about trying to get to a championship. Season look ahead with our very own Pat P, number seven, Cincinnati in Ohio. Y'all wearing that pur- uh, white white top, purple pants, probably. My guy got seven on out there. Let me ask you this question. I know the fans want to know. I know you have an answer for the fans. What would be a successful season for this team, the 2021 Minnesota Vikings? What you got? I mean, obviously, you know, winning the championship is, is a, you know, the ultimate success. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, we have to get in the playoffs first. You know, because like we talked about earlier for Marcus, you know, you get in the playoff, anybody can win. Anybody can win. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, I believe we got a lot of talent you know, on both sides of the football. I believe we can get the job done on paper. But now it's time to go out there and actually do put the work in to see what the team's success can be. You know, I'm excited about this season because, like I said, we have so much talent on both sides of the ball. Got some, got some, uh, some, uh, some, some veterans in the in the back end now. Got some run stoppers up front. Got some pass rushers on the edge. Uh, we got you know seeking linebackers on the on the back end. So. Um, you know, everything's there for us. Now it's time yeah. to go and put that work in, you know, Monday through Saturday and um, hopefully get captured that that one goal at a time at a week on a weekly basis. And that's a dub. And, you know, mm. that's up into getting the, into the playoffs. And after that, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Playoff, playoff birth for sure to me yeah. was, um, a start of of a successful season. Yeah, and, and you said before, you know, on past episodes here, all things covered, Pat Peterson, Brian McFadden, that you're better on yourself. Could you please explain how you're better on yourself this season? Um, You know, I, I like we always talked about, I feel like I have a lot left in the tank. You know, mm-hmm. salary cap numbers goes up next year. Yes, sir. I put up, put up, you know, do what I do, do what I do, you know what I mean, on a weekly basis. You know, another payday can happen. You know what I mean? Ultimately, you want to be, you know, compensated uh, 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 duties in your talent. And I feel like I'm still one of those top talents in the league, 100 percent. You know what I mean? So now I'm in a, a great situation. I feel like Jay-Z right now in that song for real, man. I feel like I'm home, man. So I'm, I'm I feel ready. like you're home. Yeah, you've been fired up since you got to Minnesota, man. The fans rocking with you. Organization rocking with you. Everybody rocking with you. Got that number seven. Yeah, so, hey, hey, man. On top of this, man. Your boy got voted a captain again, man. So oh, they got you. So you got the C on the shirt, on the jersey. C got that. The golden C. Because gold. Oh, they got gold C's. Yeah, because you know, if you if you if you've been been a captain more than five years, they give you that solid gold. Oh, that's big time. 
That's big time. That's big time, man. NFL football is here, man. If you guys ain't fired up, man, go to sleep. Go to sleep. It's time. It's time. So what I've done, and I've done this for our listeners and our viewers who love Minnesota, who just love football in general, I have a bold prediction for the offense and the defense. My bold prediction, Pat P, I want want to get your take on this. Number one bold prediction for the defense, being healthy. The number one sack team from last year was the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had 56 sacks. Number two was the Los Angeles Rams. They had 53. So my bold prediction for the defense, they will have the most sacks in the NFL this season. And that number will be 60. Neil Hunter, you hear me? Big Pierce, you guys hear me? That number would be 60. That's my bold prediction for the defense. And I can say this much. Sacks are tied to turnovers. They're connected. They're attached. Fumbles, interceptions. That quarterback got to get that thing out. Is hitting somebody in the chest who's wearing the opposite color of the offense. Forgot about it. I'm just throwing it out there, Pat P. You would hit, man. Everybody woods. Y'all boys get ready, breathing, get ready to rock and roll. So my bold prediction for the offense is the Minnesota Vikings offense led by Captain Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin, my favorite cook. <laughs> Loves to cook. The offense will finish top three in scoring this season. So the top three teams from a year ago in points scored. Number one, Green Bay, they had 31.8. Number two, Buffalo, they had 31.6. And I think number three was Tampa. They scored 30 points. The Minnesota Vikings will lead the NFL in scoring offense this season. I gave my prediction. So when it happens, you guys, you know, just you don't have to do anything for me. Just rock with the show. Tell a friend, tell someone to tell someone to tell someone about all things covered. If that happens, there's only one other place to be. And that's Lala. <laughs> listen, listen, I already got my Super Bowl suit ready for you, Pat P. I'm acting like I'm playing. I might be, they might have kicked me off the bus. I might sneak on the bus from the hotel on the way to SoFi. But I'm ready. I got my Super Bowl suit ready. All right. Yeah. That's so. So that's, you say, if those things happen, there's only one destination that's for everybody. It. That's it. And I know, I know Minnesota. I know the Minnesota Viking fans. They love to get away from that cold to go out to the La La Land and watch them palm trees move around. I mean, they got them tall palm trees too. They got them little midget palm trees. They got them tall ones in LA. They got them ones. They got them They got them. They got them tall ones. No question. <laughs> and for all the all of those things to happen, those two things to happen, it has to start week one. Week one. Look ahead. The Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals led by Joe Burrow. That's an LSU Tiger. They got quite a few LSU Tigers on that team. Why receiver focus? Where do you do you expect to match up with anybody that got, you know, experienced player in Tyler Boyd? He led the team in receptions a year ago, 79. They got up and coming wide receiver in T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, who struggled a bit in, in camp and preseason, but they took him fifth overall. Uh, is there any particular wide receiver uh, you may follow or you just line up on your side and playing football? Yeah, man, I'm just lining up playing ball. You know, lining mm. up playing ball. Really don't, you know, it's hard to, to prepare for week one. You know, obviously preseason teams not really showing much, not even playing their guys. Um, and the you, you, only thing you can do is try to go back to last year's tape and kind of figure out where they're going to plug guys in that. You know, so week one is always a little fuzzy to uh, to to get prepared for. But for the most part, no, we're just going to line up and play ball, you know, be what we need to be, you know, make plays. And uh, like I said, you know, hopefully come out of Cincinnati with a dub. Well, let me give you a mental note coming from rookie wide receiver, former, former LSU Tiger Jamar Chase on going up against former LSU DB Patrick Peterson. I could put Patrick Peterson on my highlight tape. He might be mad I'm saying it, but hey, you know, 
what I'm saying? It's a part of the game. I love to make a play on him. He said he loved him. He would love to make a play on you, Pat Peterson. Of course, there's number a little bit of tiger, tiger crime, one-on-one tiger crime. But you know, he's fired up about going against the legend yeah. himself, number seven. And he about to get the number seven, Pat P. I got yeah. my jersey. I had to put my jersey on Sunday when I watched the game, by the way. I don't know if it's gonna fit well, but I'm gonna put it on. But yeah, yeah. mental note to you, Pat P. And I appreciate it, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when you know, I respect everything, obviously, what Jamar Chase has have done on, on the college level. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to lining up against him as well. You know, I think it should be a fun matchup. Uh, the guy has a, a lot of physical attributes that a lot of greats have in this league already. You know, mm. something to be here before you know it. You know, we yeah. can get it. And for wide receivers to have success, they got to have a quarterback getting them the football. Joe Burrow, uh, we know about his season-ending injury from a year ago. All things point in the direction for him to be out with the guys on Sunday. Expectations for him coming off his season-ending injury. He started 10 games in 2020 before tearing his ACL, MCL. Their record was 2-7-1. Rookie season completed 65% of his passes, of his passes, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. He averaged roughly over 260 per ball game. You know, I know you've watched tape on, on him, you know, and that's the guy you expect to see in the lineup. You know, how talented is he? And and for you guys that have success, granted, you got to put pressure on him. Do you believe you got you have the the the, the guys that can put pressure on him? Uh, but number one, how talented is Joe Cool Burrow? Uh, Joe Joe is definitely he has a lot of talent. You know, uh, now that they, uh, Cincinnati's putting some talent around him, now he has an opportunity to really flourish. Um, you know, but you know, for us, we definitely we definitely have the guys to get to him. You know, uh, you know. You know, for any quarterback, you know, you want to be able to get their feet happy, you know, get their feet moving around a little bit, getting their eyes down from the, uh, from, uh, from those big shots down the field. And that just makes our day a lot easier on the defensive end. So um, we know we got our work cut out uh, for us, you know, heading into the Sunday game. Um, obviously, Joe is, you know, fresh as he can be coming off a, a, a season ending knee sur- uh, injury last year. Um, but Joe has all the talent in the world to to make all the all the right throws, all the right check. You saw it when he first got into the league. You know, mm-hmm. I, very impressive from day one. So we don't expect any much of a drop off from that of, of of the success he had last year. Like I said, week one is finally here. The season's finally here. The Minnesota Vikings faithful will be there somewhere in the building. No question. It's going to be a great game. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about week one and uh, also excited about the season to see how it's going to unfold. Last question before we get to halftime. And remember, on the opposite side of half, listeners and viewers, you don't want to miss this outstanding conversation with Big Swag Ooh, Marcus Spears, who's also a former LSU Tiger, will be joining us on the opposite side of, of the half. Vikings offensive focus, man, you've been seeing these guys, you know, put in work for quite some time. You had an extra week to prepare last week. Uh, just watching Kirk Cousins and the guys go, man. And you you told me from day one, Dalvin Cook is an amazing talent. You know what I mean? What are your expectations from Kirk Cousins and the offensive game uh, this Sunday against Cincinnati, who finished the season a year ago, ranked 26th in the National Football League in total defense last year? They had, and oh by the way, they had the worst rush defense over the last two years. Ooh. I think we have an opportunity to 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 be a very balanced offense. You know, Dalvin, like you said, my favorite Cook is a, a special talent, you know, and once we get him going, you know, that just opened the doors for every, everything else. And we know all know what Kurt does best, play action. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Once all those doors open, you know, I feel like we can be a well-balanced offense. So I'm excited to see 
how it was going to unfold uh, Sunday. Had an opportunity to obviously go through our real first day of preparation Monday. And it was exciting to see what those guys got called up. I'm excited to see what, uh, uh, you know, I'm excited for the game plan that we have partially put in right now. So, um, you know, it should be all, all missiles flying, baby. And, uh, hey, Pat P, we've been saying it all, all season. Ass cutting time, Jack. That's, what t- that's the only time it is. Yes, it's time. What time is it? You know what time it is. Nah. You know what time it is, man. I'm going to give a prediction since I love giving predictions and I've been hot. Everything I've said this past weekend in college football freaking yeah. happened. Like, they might Nostradamus betting. They should call me the Nostradamus, the Nostradamus of parlays. I'm the parlay king, the parlay prince. Hey, let me give you my prediction for uh, Sunday. Y- y- y'all, what y'all, one o'clock, that's a one o'clock kickoff, Pat P? 85. I think they said 10, 10 to 12 miles per hour wind. Windy? Oh, shoot. No, 10 to 12 miles, 10 to 12 miles per hour wind. Gotcha. So my prediction for this upcoming ball game this weekend, Vikings win, final score 26 to 13 like in favor it. of the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, Eric, make sure you jot a list down because, you know, when I start hitting these 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 close scores, people going to really want to know what I'm going and like who I'm talking to. They're going to kick me off the, off the blackjack table because they don't think I'm cheating. But I ain't cheating. I just know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> and they think I'm counting cards. I ain't counting cards or scores. I just know what I'm talking about. 26, 13. 26, 13. And I'm going to say this much too. Joe Cool Burrow, who, man, one of my favorite college quarterbacks, he won't be my favorite this Sunday, is throwing two interceptions. I don't know who those two interceptions are going to go to, but I'm giving two interceptions, three sacks for the defense, three sacks for the defense, two interceptions. I don't know who they're going to go to, Pat. So I'm just letting you know I'm throwing out in the universe so it manifests. And then Dalvin Cook will give, he will rush for two touchdowns, 98 yards. 98 yards, Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson will have a touchdown. He will finish around 84 yards. Mm. All the boys eat. Yeah, that's a great way to start. So 26, 13, Eric, make sure you drop this stuff down. Now, when this thing happened, I want to be able to have facts to back that I actually said this. So this is my spirit, coach. Hey, that's where you get here on school check-in. It's time to get fired up. If you ain't fired up, man, go someplace else, man. It's football time. That's what we do. It's parlay time. It's football time. And what other time is it, Pat P? Ass cutting time, coach. No question. Hey, Halftime for us. You guys, make sure you stay tuned because on the opposite side of the half, you don't want to miss this conversation with Big Swaggoo. Marcus Spears, former first-rounder from the Dallas Cowboys. Pat P, alum. Tiger, alum. Will be joining us here. All things covered. Pat Peterson, Brian McFadden. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. 
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Ladies and gents, you guys know what time it is. First half is over. We need to make some adjustment. Me and Pat P, man, we were covering too long. We told Coach, man, we need some help. Man, we need to put some pressure on these quarterbacks, man, so we can squat a little bit, man. They had too much time. So Coach said, you know what? I'm going to get a guy who can put pressure on the quarterback from the three technique, from the five technique. He a hell raiser. A, a bona fide hell raiser. So we said, go get it, Coach. Put him in there. We gave you guys a little hint on who we have coming in right now. Join us. All things covered. Pat P, Bryant McFadden, an LSU Tiger in college where he was a national champion. That's how my uncle used to call it. Champion in 2003, because <laughs> census All American in 2004, first round pick in 2005 by the Dallas Cowboys. So of course, he played for the Cowboys and played for the Baltimore Ravens in the pros. Currently, a great TV personality at ESPN. Yep. You can catch him on Twitter and Instagram, the same name at M Spears 96, also known as Big Swag. Ooh. Big Spears, man, how you doing? Thank you for joining us. All things covered. How you feeling? My guys, man, listen, man, I'm first of all, I'm honored to be on respect not only both of y'all careers, but who y'all as men. So, man, appreciate you having me. I, I got to wear glasses. I'm sorry for the glare. Uh, this is what start happening when you start creeping towards 40, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, hey, don't worry. You look real studious. That's all I'm going to say. That's all that matters. You look real studious. No doubt. No doubt, man. Man, listen, man, you've been an unbelievable football player, unbelievable individual, high character guy. So let's start. Let's go back in time. Let's go back in time and go ahead and give you your flowers. Why are you still here uh, being the individual that you've been? Let's start back, taking it back to that recruiting scene in 2000 and 2001. You were the number one tight end prospect and the top 10 overall in the country when you look at high school prospects. Being that LSU was in your backyard, what was the process like for you recruiting? Yeah, first of all, y'all ain't the only ones that could go two ways, man. I went <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, it was uh, it, it was different. It was different, and I'm glad Pat P is here because when I signed with LSU in 2001, it was not the popular move. It mm -hmm. was not the place where, especially a lot of dudes from Louisiana, we a lot of Florida schools, a lot of Texas schools, and I and I go through this list of dudes that left Louisiana: Peyton Manning, Ed Reed, Reggie Wayne. You know, we I'm talking about like some of the greatest to ever do it. Warwick um, Dunn. Right, Warwick Dunn, Travis yep. Minor, like dudes mm -hmm. I grew up on, man. So it was um it was different. And LSU was not I knew about K Falk. I knew about Booger McFarlane. Like I knew about individuals that were signed and that was playing at a high level, but it never was that like group. And the one thing I learned when I went, I took my visit to Miami because that was the literally it came down for me between Miami and LSU. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I noticed that Miami was all of them dudes was from Dade County and all <laughs> of them was from, you know, around the way. And they were having a lot of success. My freshman year, they won the national championship. That was a great mm -hmm. team with John Taylor and all of them dudes. So that particular year, man, we, we had it was so many players in Louisiana from 
Marquise Hill was a top three defensive um, end in the country. Michael Clayton was the number one receiver in the country. Um, ben Wilkinson, who was from Hemp Hill, Texas, but really is like like way north Louisiana, uh, was the number one center in the country. Like, dude, so it it, it aligned. And, and I'm sure both of y'all have been there in your careers where things just feel like it's happening the right way. And right. to me, that was 2001. And, and, and I believe, like, I'm not going to take credit for putting LSU on the map or that was the turning point. But what I will say is that was the first class where they got everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I think it just started to evolve from there, man. But it speaks to not only Saban, but just just Louisiana and how many guys that, that were being produced in that state and ultimately decided to stay where we was at. Yeah, there, there are a lot of great uh, athletes coming out of the state of Louisiana, obviously. No question. The opportunity to play with a bunch of them. And speaking of things being aligned, yeah. you know, like we – Brian, Brian introduced you that you was the number one tight end coming in, coming on campus. But a coach <laughs> got in your ear and said, I, "I might think it's time to switch the switch your uh, switch sides of the ball." How did that conversation come about? And ultimately, do you thank Coach Saban for doing that? Yeah, man. Listen, it was it, it was hard for me at first. I just wasn't mature enough to handle it. Right? Like, I mean, y'all know when we when we starring in a role, and we've had people telling us you know, since high school or since peewee football, like this is what you're going to do. And for me, I was a hooper too. So I was, I was, I wanted to score. Like I played tight end. I wanted to get in the end zone. Like I know yeah. it's crazy. That big six, five, 300 pound, can't damn near run a 40 in seven seconds. <laughs> but, um, but then man, it was just, um, it, for me, it was what I knew. Right. And, and we all as, as men, young men, we hit, we hit, you know, we call it adversity, but it's growth. And when you look back, it was growth. So Saban came to me, man. We had two defensive ends that were in their senior year, and he started looking at depth on the defensive line. It was like, yo, I'm going to be thin if I don't – first, you you know, you hoping that the guys you recruit and sign, and that was the Glenn Dorsons of the world, the Kyle Williams of the world. So we had great dudes. Tyson Jackson was in, in like, in the near future. So it was great players coming. But at that time, Saban was trying to get ahead of the curve. He was trying to evolve early. And um, he was like, look, you athletic. And then I did play defense in high school. You athletic. Um, We're going to teach you. We're going to teach you how to play this position. But right now, just, you know, learn. Use time to learn. Learn athleticism. We're not counting on you to be in a major role. So next year, um, when when you're starting, you know what the hell you're doing. And, um, dude, it was so hard, though, bro, because – Y'all know how it is, man. You get recruited. You got this whole idea. Mm-hmm. I was the I made all freshman SEC as a tight end. So I'm like, yeah, this is the trajectory. Like, I'm gonna get paid. I'm gonna go to the league. I'm gonna be a tight end. And um, just when when that whole when he told me that they were switching me, dude, I was transferring. Like I was wow. out. Wow. You was ready yeah. to leave. You were you going to Miami? I was gonna go to Miami. And 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 during that time, you know. That was when they had just sent Bubba Frank's first round. Yeah, at tight okay. end. Jeremy Shockey. They had just sent Jeremy Shockey. So the yeah. offense was there. Chazinski was the offensive coordinator. Like it was all set up. And um, man, I called my mom, bro, <laughs> and I was like, they tried to move me to defense. I'm transferring. <laughs> Dude, my mom told me, bring me all my stuff. She was <laughs> like, I was like, what? <laughs> you thought you were gonna get like, some support. Yeah, I was like, I need support. Like, I need you to be on board with being a be going to the U. And she was like, Nope. Um, you made a commitment, but also like 
the change, the, the one best piece of advice, you know, unfortunate enough that I got it from my mom and she said, um, change is inevitable, bro. Like you gotta be yeah. able to just like being a, being a man, but more importantly, being a black man, trying to accomplish things, you're gonna have to be flexible. No you're gonna have to, yeah. So it was a life lesson, bro. And, and rest is history. Saban knew yeah. more than I did, but honestly, Y'all know me on TV, bro. I don't sugarcoat. That check swayed me, bro. Them numbers, <laughs> them numbers swayed me. Like, them DN numbers was was way more impressive. Way, way different. Was, way different than tight end. <laughs> it still is, and it will forever be that way. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah. The yeah. fruits of your labor. Nine years of DN checks was damn good, homie. No question. I already know. <laughs> no question. You know, like you said, Saban knew something before his hindsight was better yeah. than yours. And clearly that's why he's considered one of the greatest. And speaking of Nick Saban, Big Spears, what did he what did he do back then uh that could have given you the sense? Uh, that he was on the cusp of being great and eventually the greatest to ever do it in coaching college football. Yeah, man, both of y'all have had phenomenal careers and, and y'all have done it at the highest level. Nick was consistent, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've heard this about, we've heard this about the Black Mamba, we've heard this about MJ and LeBron, just that insatiable appetite to be the best. Um, right. And he was instilling that culture. And, you know, when we 16, 17 years old, man, we impressionable. Yeah. And we more impressionable about what we see than what we hear. Like we had coaches in our ears since Pee Wee football telling us we was the next one and we gonna make it and all of that. But when you start to see that action, when you see Nick Saban lights on in his office at 2 a.m. after you just won a big game against Auburn and he already getting prepared for Alabama the next week while you on your way to the club, you start to understand <laughs> like, like the type of commitment um, that it takes. So. And that culture, like, it wasn't there. He was instilling it in the class before us, um, but it, it it hadn't fully taken hold. And then you start looking around, and you're like, damn, dude, we got some ballers in this locker room. We got some dudes that's really good at football, and we might have a shot. And 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 then philosophically, man, like, just we – and Pat P relates to this. You relate to this, B-Mac, based on where y'all played for so long. We was always so prepared, bro. Yeah. Like we was just, we were so overly prepared that when the game started, it was no thinking, mm -hmm, like right. none. You know, you you see the formation, you see the motion, you know the plays. And right. a lot of people give us a lot of credit for being big, athletic, you know, a national championship team or whatever. Dude, we were more prepared than every team in the country. And right. coincidentally, you need players to win, obviously. But ultimately, the reason why he's been so success, successful, bro, is is what he lives by, and that is success is not a continuum. Like yeah, it's an yeah. everyday grind. And most people, you know, and and like even myself, in, in other aspects of life, but we don't have that energy to expend that every day. Every day. And for this question. dude to be doing it, for the this great dude ones to still have be doing it, dude, this it's it's a habit, man. No question. It's a habit, it's a habit bro. And, and I try to apply that to where I am now. Um and 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 that's the way I want to operate. But it was lessons I learned from from him, dude. Yeah, it's dope. And speaking of your continued success that you and Saber had over yeah. your time in college, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind on your pick six in the two thousand three national championship? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm back at tight end. <laughs> I was I was uh I was thinking about 
I was thinking about that bag, Pepe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, we we in New we 45 minutes away from home. This the national championship. Right. Um, Jason White was the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, Oklahoma um, had a stick. They had a nice Oklahoma. little stick. Yeah, yeah, they was balling, bro. And no um, first of all, the moment to share with my family was the most like the thing I remember. Like, you know, I grew up playing in South Baton Rouge for the South Baton Rouge Rams. I grew up, you know following a lot of dudes that was before me. But that was the biggest thing that had ever happened in Louisiana football, bro, in a long time. So it was, you know, we don't understand the magnitude of that. But what we did understand was, like, that we get to do this in front of our people. Like, this was almost like my first game ever playing peewee football, and my whole family showed up, and I was like, what the hell y'all doing here? This is about to look bad. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to, 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 to fast forward seven, you know, 12, 13 years later to have an opportunity in New Orleans to win that, man. And just wow. how we put on not only for not only making things right, mm -hmm. what we felt like when we all signed, like that was our goal, but also putting on for where you was from. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I take pride in that because I know a lot of dudes that I played with were responsible for a lot of my success and, and a lot of how they did their job at a high level helped me get to where I was. But I also understood their hardships, bro. I knew my teammates mm, and, and yeah. we talked to each other and we had a, a great rapport and I knew that moment was going to change a lot of their lives. So it, it meant way more than just hoisting the, the crystal ball at the time. Um, that that was a that was a pivotal moment in a lot of dudes' careers, football wise, and, and y'all know them things last forever off the field too. So yes, sir. it's still dudes benefiting off of two thousand three national championships, man. And you know what, Spears? That's that's the unique unique thing about college football mm -hmm. when you talk about the narratives with certain players. That's why it's a little more special. You know yeah. what I mean? NFL is special. It's intense. It's exciting. But business always right. Comes. All of that. And college right. football's the love. Right. Man, we broke bread together, barely broke bread together. We right. had yeah. stories coming from backgrounds where we sharing stories of how similar our life was before we got to that college campus. And now we grind yeah. together to try to get to the same goal. And granted, everybody we play with on the collegiate level didn't get to that level, but they tried. And we tried mm -hmm. to help each other. And that's something, like you said, you forever remember that moment of playing in the Sugar Bowl against yeah, OU and all the players in, that you were with would never ever be forgotten. That's the unique unique thing about college football that I love. Dude, because you're getting it out the mud together, man. Yes. Like everybody broke. Like no don't nobody have broke, nothing. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like and, everybody, everybody got that got, hey, got the vision and they we want to do it. We were broke, but we were so happy. Happy, bro. Happy. Yeah, we we the happiest broke people around. Like, Dude. man, you didn't really realize you were broke. I literally McDonald's 99 cent menu is what I survived off of. Man, a 99 cent double cheeseburger, no pickles. A five-piece, 99-cent uh, chicken nugget, sweet and sour sauce, and a cup of water. I walk out oh, of the door only giving them $2.69, and I'm good. Yeah, buddy. We was busting Jack in the Box up, dog. Oh, yeah. Every, I had that Jack in the Box. And then, too, and then, too, you get that Pell Grant check, you got to send mama like $1,300. And that $200 <laughs> felt like you had a couple million on you. Because oh, you were around okay. Like, you know what? We're going to go to the union. It's on me. The whole, <laughs> the whole. Yeah, you, when you had that ID card, it's like that ID yeah, card. Man. Yeah, man. But but that, but that is the that's the special part of it, man. Like I remember going back to LSU and um, watching Pat Pete and them and and, and seeing they their energy and how they was around each other. 
And it reminded me like, man, this is what it, this is why football means so much to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you really like, y'all know, man, you really don't grasp that until it's over or until you get towards the end, you start reflecting on like, you remember that night, man, we was in the club and we had to get him because he was about to fight. Oh, you remember that night we was all out. Three, four dollars so we everybody could eat or the three for three from Domino's oh, or man. whatever, man. So, dude, we we in those moments, like we just living, we on campus, you know, everybody got their girlfriends or they doing whatever they doing. But ultimately, bro, the, the brotherhood, dude, the brotherhood, the, the going back to the dorm after a game and, and just opening all the doors. And everybody yeah, yeah. just, you know, yeah. dude, I miss that. I still yeah. miss that, bro. Hey, we didn't have any doors locked in Tallahassee and Burt Reynolds. You couldn't lock your door. <laughs> everybody, you can just be chilling. Somebody walk up in your house. Like, what you? But that was the rule. That was the unwritten yeah. rule. We're not locking doors around right here. Dude, when I, when I first, uh, dude, what's so funny, be dude, when I first, when I went to Miami, dog, and I realized that they had co-ed dorms, like, <laughs> the but, the mature part of me was like, it ain't no way in hell you can go here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they say like, you can go next door. It's the female, right? You're like, what? You, dude. It was so, so when I was there, bro, it was four football players, and next door it was four volleyball players. I was mm. like, I can't survive this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not built mentally enough yet. To, Not there to yet. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the maturity you had already to realize and embrace that I ain't ready for this. No, listen, bro. It was a lot. And Pepe, yeah. no, he from he from he, he know it was it was a <laughs> lot, bro. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm gonna stay away from this one. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> at the end of my decision, man. And I ain't gonna lie, I regretted it some weeks. I was like, damn, I wonder what they're doing at, in Coral Gables right now. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I quickly got over it. No question. <laughs> and you're talking about getting over it. I mean, all the success you had there in Baton Rouge led to you being a first rounder to the Dallas Cowboys. Tell us yeah. about that draft day. Did the Cowboys make any promises to you? They had two first round selections. Uh, yeah. The first pick, Demarcus Ware, I think he was number eleven. Eleven, yeah. yeah, he was eleven, uh, and you were twentieth in the first round. You know, tell us about your draft day. Did you believe? Did you know you were going to to the Cowboys at that time? Yeah, man, I, I didn't know I was going to the Cowboys, but I knew I was slotted somewhere in that area, man. And a lot of people don't know I tore my meniscus two weeks before the combine. Oh. So I had prepared, man. I was ready to run. I was I was running like mid four sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 300 going into the combine in shape and, and looking forward to it. And it was my first major injury. Like it was my it was the first injury I had that I was going to have to take time off mm-hmm. and, and not be able to go at it. And, dude, I was so, you know, I went through a, I, that phase for me was like the unsurety was the problem. Like, what team's going to think? You know, mm-hmm. is it degenerative? Do you have long-lasting lingering? Am I going to be the same athlete I was when I was at LSU? All of those things went through my head, man. But ultimately, I knew the work had to – the work had to – like, all the work that I had put in had to amount to something. Like, mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, I know injuries have happened before and dudes have thrived and played well. But draft day for me was about my family, homie. It was yeah. – it was. It was the first, my first thought was my mom ain't got to work no more. I lit like literally when my name came across the scroll 20th. And after I got off the phone with Jerry and Bill, I looked at my mom and was like, that's a wrap. You good. And ultimately like, that was it for me. You know, my sister 
kind of raised me while my mama was working. My dad was in my life. Um, but ultimately, man, my mom, bro, 25 years at Bell South as a telephone operator, mm-hmm. working, working 40, 50 hours a week and still coming home and we deciding whether we're going to have water or lights off. I remember mm-hmm. all of that. So when I got to a point where financially um, I, I felt good about where I was getting drafted, I felt good about the money that I was going to get initially. Um, it was it was about her, bro. It was about like literally it was about my mom and my sister. I had no kids at that point. I had my responsibility was to them. Um, and, and I just remember that overwhelming feel. Like I cried because it was an overwhelming feeling of damn, I done seen you struggle for a long time and we ain't got to do that no more. Right. Yeah. 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 That's deep. Yeah, That's yeah man. Yeah, I, I can definitely contest to that for sure. Yeah, no bro. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah. all three, all three of us can. That's the story. Hey, we just, the story. We, just, we just like low key had like three seconds of a moment. No <laughs> question. Like, no question, no. brother. People don't realize, man. Like you know, <laughs> most of us have similar stories when we get to that level and wanting to show gratitude and appreciation for those that work extremely hard and doing what they were supposed to do as a parent mm-hmm. or a loved one, but seeing them grind. Like the consistent grind, like you say, your mom worked all them hours at Bell South, and you still had yeah. to be concerned if you can have water and food and Absolutely. stuff like that. And she never complained. Never complained, dude. My mom drove the funny story, bro. I so you know when we started growing, dude. I was I was like six three. I probably was six three in tenth grade. Um, hit a big growth spurt. My mama had a green Toyota Corolla, bro, and um, I hooped during the summers. Man, my big long ass was in that car from Louisiana to Florida. We'll go play a tournament in Florida. She'll get it. We'll hop in the whip. We stayed at all of the, the hotels that was connected to Waffle House. And that's when we <laughs> ate the breakfast. Um, it was me, my mom, and my cousin, man, on them road trips. She was solo dolo. I couldn't drive. And she pushing it 15 hours to Florida. Then the next stop is Peach Jam in Atlanta. Then yeah. we go into a tournament at te- um, we go into a football camp at Texas A&M. And yeah. not one time, like I knew she ain't have it. I knew she was tired. And not one time was she like, listen, I, I just need a break. And I just, bro, listen, I don't know how she did it. Um, but but you know, hopefully she saw something in me and was trying to promote them dreams that kept her going. But you y'all know, man, when you get to that point um where you can retire your parents. That's bigger than dra- getting drafted. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's huge to me. So I just I, I always took pride in that, bro. To me, that's the biggest accomplishment um, in football in my football career as a whole was to tell my mom like like we ain't got to do this no more. And that's big. So now you get drafted twentieth overall. What was the transition like going from yeah. Nick as a college head coach to Bill Parcell as your first pro coach? Dude, it, it was. <laughs> I finally had got to the point where me and Nick was cool. And then I ended in with Bill and wanted to punch him in the face every day, bro. <laughs> um, and, and because, dude, we, we couldn't understand where where he was going with a lot of stuff. Uh, he was an old school coach. And y'all know what it is. Y'all know what it is, man. Y'all, y'all was a part of the league when we had 15 straight two-a-days. And oh, it was, man. You know what I'm saying? It was like... Yeah you know, live goal line, the first yeah. damn period of the first practice <laughs> in camp. And like, and dude, I'm lining up against Larry Allen and Flozell Adams. And I'm thinking, about, no way in hell I can play in this league if I got to go up against that every week. And um, <laughs> Bill, Bill would just grind us, man. Like that 2005 draft class was a big defensive overhaul. 
We yeah. were switching to the three four, so they drafted a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, D. Ware was the was the star outside linebacker. Chris Canty was drafted in that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Jay Ratliff, who eventually turned into a Pro Bowler, All Pro. He played nose guard for us. We yeah, had a good I a Ratliff from Auburn. Yeah, from Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So it was it was um it was a lot of dudes that had a lot of success in long careers. But and Bill is responsible for that. But initially, bro, we could we hated to do like we used to have these conversations. Like he don't want to see us have success, bro. Like it's it's no way that it's no way that he gonna kill us like this and expect us to play a season. And, and y'all know we all go through that at some point. But then we got to the point where we started going on the field and it was easy. Mm. It was light work. It was like, oh yeah, we know what we're doing. We we. We maturing at a faster rate than the other guys that we talking to with other teams. So eventually it became a, a, a professional relationship um, and, and we understood where he was trying to go. And then ultimately it turned into a relationship beyond football because he was responsible for how we like how you y'all know this, how you start and that foundation that set really set the foundation of how you going how you go, how your energy going to be for the rest of your career. Mm-hmm. Right. So when when we made the transition from Bill Parcells to Wade Phillips, Wade was way more laid back, mm-hmm. way more less demanding. It was about, you know, you guys are pros. Y'all responsible for how you prepare. But we already had that that Parcells mentality. So without that, rah, 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 y'all need to do this. Y'all need to do that. We still could apply the same type of work and the same type of energy towards getting ready to play. Yeah, and, and enjoy not having a coach that you felt like was always there to correct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we were, prevent- and that was some of our best years, coincidentally. Um, yeah. But yeah, Bill was Bill. Ultimately, um, Bill was cool, and, and then y'all know you gain respect for coaches when you finally realize they actually want to see you have success, mm-hmm. yeah. and they know what they're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and they first requirement, no question. <laughs> You got to know what you're talking about for us to follow yeah, you. Man. You got to know exactly yeah. where, you, where you're going. Let's fast forward to 2006, the wild card game versus the Seahawks. Uh, it's one of the uh, more infamous, infamous plays in NFL history, playoff history, to say the least. Uh, what was your vantage point and thought process during Tony Romo's fumble and the run towards the goal line? Dude, it was it was it first like I was. You don't understand the magnitude of the playoffs. That's why we talk about it. People always ask, yeah. like, why y'all talk about the playoffs? Like, the playoffs. No, the playoffs are another level, bro. Like, it ain't oh, no, no level. Yeah, it's a whole. Yeah. <laughs> I see, oh, no, like, no. all of us, like, man, that's yeah. different, man. Like, everybody moving faster. Everybody, everybody. My teams was way harder in the playoffs <laughs> than they was in the regular season. But, um, oh, man. man, man, you know, and, and, and for us, man, like, when we saw Romo fumbling, it still wasn't like this panic. We was like, all right, you know, and, and you see the edge and you're like, he going to get there. Like, yeah. he going to get there. And then when he got tackled, bro, and you realize, like, and y'all know your season over so abruptly. Yep, quick. It's, like, it's just over. It's like, yeah. like, bro, like, we don't have another, like, uh, we don't have another series or another possession. No, it's over. It's a wrap. So, man, it made me realize immediately, like, you know, do it. We played 21 growing up. Do a die got a different meaning when you play a pro football. And mm-hmm. when it happened, dude, we we was like, dude, we 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 Marshawn didn't go off. You know, we we deed him up. Like he had, yeah. he had that was a good game. Runs, but he finished with like 70 yards. Like that's yeah. a good day based on what he was oh, doing. Yeah. And we, as we looked at it in totality, we're like, damn, we supposed to win this game. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. But y'all know, bro, like the self-inflicted wounds cost you championships. They cost you playoff wins more than a team just lining straight up and beating you. You know, we get back to the film room and we like, man, look at look how bad I was on that technique. And I gave yeah. up a 20-yard run or I gave up a pass or I gave up, you know, but what, what made y'all good? Bouncing back. Problem with the yeah. playoff, dog, your ass might not have a chance to bounce back until yeah. next year. It's one and done. So, yeah, man. So it, it was it was when I started to understand like the, the gravity of it yeah. and, and why people kept bringing it up. I was like, yeah, OK. Yeah. The, the playoffs. Like, see, the thing about the playoffs, when plays like that happen, you don't know exactly what could have been if you guys took care of your business. Because all you got to do is just get to the next round. And that's bro. the most important thing about the playoffs. You get into the tournament. Anybody can win. Yes. Anybody yes. can win. But when you lose like that, you're like, yo. Man, we could have been in the ship, bro. We could have Dude, and every every reaction to every year I lost in the playoffs was, man, we the one that we done made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's always wow. the reaction. Going, but you always go back to 2006. Always. All, dude, always, bro. And I, I remember the one year I actually felt like that for real when Chicago went to the playoffs. And we had beat them in the regular season. And we beat the Giants twice. I believe yeah. it was 07. That's 07 07. We beat them yeah. twice in the regular season. But lost to them in the playoffs, right? Oh man. And Chicago went to the went to the championship, bro. And yeah. we had yeah. we blasted the Bears earlier in that season. Now, obviously, we all know we've been professionals long enough to know that all of that don't have carryover. But that was mm-hmm. the first time I felt like, oh, we know who they are at least. And we yep. know we can we can beat. Them. You're not afraid of them. You actually yeah, want that matchup because yeah, you had. Bro, it, was, it was a mess, bro. And then Eli and them went and won the damn Super Bowl, and, and it just hurt all over the place. Man, <laughs> was, what, was that? <laughs> hey, Spears, was that 017 the best team you were a part of? That that Cowboys 017. Um, I think one. I, I think that I was think you got either, the 13 and three that year. That 13 and three, yeah, that was To. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that was that was Pat Creighton. That was Marion Barber. Barber. Um, you know what? Though? Roy, yeah. what wasn't Roy Roy on that team too, Roy, right? Roy Jason was Whitten. there. But I tell you, man, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the best team because we was built so well in the trenches, bro. Mm, Our, yeah. We had big Leonard Davis. Yeah. We had big Flozell Adams. And Flozell yeah. might have been the biggest human I ever seen because when bro, he came he, to Pittsburgh, man. Flozell the hotel, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you had to look up to him like this. What <laughs> freaking stuff going yeah. on up there? <laughs> yeah. I got baptized a many days by that big fella when that I was a rookie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pat P, you talk about big human? Man, Flo, man, yeah. about six, eight. Bro, Strong yeah. and mean, too. And Didn't want a joke. He was always he serious. Was Pete was like he was on a typewriter, bro. Just, like, just, Always move. You look at him and you like, dude, you it's no way you can move. And then he get out there, cat quick reflexes. Yeah, like, right. Crazy, crazy. Talking about that best team you've been a part of, you mentioned T.O. was on that team. Yeah. I like him as a player. I like him as a human being. As we, you know, we cross paths every now and then. Describe mm-hmm. T.O. as a teammate. A lot of people give him a, a, a bit of a rap. Yeah, one of the best teammates I ever played with. You know, mm. and I, I've talked about this before on ESPN. And y'all know, man, like, that's why I love, like, when, when, when B-Mac hit me up, that's why I love chopping with y'all, man, because y'all understand the dynamic of what's real in the locker room as opposed right. to what's sensationalized in the media. 
Yeah. Right. And, and, and we all, you know, we all have these mediums and y'all doing podcasts. But the, the thing that I respect is that y'all know what it is like. Pepe, you still in the locker room. Like you mm-hmm. still in there. Right. So it's a different it's a whole different energy. So when I was with T.O., bro, and the one thing that stood out was work ethic. He was, you know, he was from that Jerry Rice tree, bro. He catch a five yard slant. He running all the way to the end zone, way, like yeah. full speed. And he's he's practicing. And it, sh- it looks exactly like he plays. Mm, so right. along the way, he teaching us how to practice and how to prepare. Um, from a T.O. always had the business issues in the league. Like, we all have them. But yep. his thing was he expressed them. He was openly public about the disagreement yes, with, with management and front offices. And we all been there. We all been in second deal um, mm-hmm. contracts. We all didn't, you know, we all didn't had an owner tell us our value when we know our value more because we got another team telling us our value more and all of that type of stuff. But T.O. in the locker room was never, in, from what I know mm-hmm. and what I saw in the two years I was with him, one of the best teammates I ever played with. Mm-hmm. And and look, bro, y'all know me. I don't care about dudes liking me. Like, I've yeah. never had that issue. Um, but I, re- I, I, I will not stand by silently and let people just lie. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know what his experience and his teammates experience was like in Philly with McNabb and all of those guys. I don't know what yeah. it was like in San Francisco, but when I played in Dallas with him, he was one of the best, one of the best teammates I ever played with. And that ain't wow. cause it's T.O. And that ain't cause he a hall of famer. Um, I got do, we all got dudes on rosters that we played with that the world don't know that were great teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he just, he was like, I mean, it ain't really, you know, giving examples I've given many, but the one example I will give bro is I saw this man attach himself to a young miles Austin when nobody knew who he was as a wide receiver and yeah. taught him day in and day out how to play the position after practice, before practice, answering questions, even, even helping Tony Romo become Tony Romo that we know now. By by communication, yeah, and playing with a Hall of Fame receiver that you have an ability to like, you know, be dynamic with. So yeah, man, it, it like all of that, all of that in my context is falsified, bro. I was with the dude two years every day, and well it was never an issue. Yeah. Well said, well said, man. Appreciate that. And I've heard some uh, similar statements from other players that play with him as well. But you know, right. some people will have their opinion. Other people, everybody have their got opinion. different. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that matters. But your personal experience was a great experience. So yeah, we appreciate absolutely. that. So now we're going to transition to the superlative part of our show. We're going to get you up out of here. So we're going to hit you with rapid fire questions, right? Okay. We want your honest, unbiased answer. Uh, we're going to chop it down just a little bit because we know time is definitely important to you. So first question for you, LSU Tigers, Mount Rushmore, go. Uh, Pat Peterson, Glenn Darcy, um, Billy Cannon, and Tyron Matthew. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I like the best, it. <laughs> the best tradition at LSU. Uh Tiger Walk. Or or that third down band, that that damn song, bro. That that I don't even know what they call it, but when that bum 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 play. Is, is that the one like a rap song? Is that the one like a rap song? Well, well, you know, we got neck, but that's a whole sensitive subject right there. That's like, <laughs> it's, it's some real foul language going on. But hey, I know when I went to that. Hey, Pat, when I went to, 
when I went to that North Carolina game when y'all played in Atlanta, when you played North Carolina, when the band, I don't, I thought it was a rap song, but I was like, man, the whole whole LSU side went rock. Pepe never was fortunate because uh, LSU band started playing black music when they was in college. <laughs> we, had the, we had the trumpets and shit. We ain't had no drums. Really <laughs> y'all had that mall music. Yeah, we had that mall music, man. So yeah, like, like that was, that Tiger Walk though, bro. It, the, Tiger Walk. Bro, listen, that juice, that juice on your way into that locker room, bro. It's a different. It's it's different, bro. It's Got different. You. I I, I can. Last question for you. We're gonna get you up out of here. I got two. I need to choose from. <sighs> Quarterback, you wish you got a chance to hit. Um, Peyton, <laughs> the sheriff. Yeah, I got. I, I hit the sheriff and got a penalty because I was late. Yeah, um, I sacked Brady. I sacked Aaron. I sacked Ben. I sacked Eli. I never got the freaking Peyton, man. And I ain't have a lot of sacks. I wasn't a, I wasn't a pass rushing guru. I was a big run stopper in the three four. Mm-hmm. But I do. I, I want to. I, you know, it's like I'm a I hunt fish. I yeah. wanted to hang them jerseys on my wall and be like, yeah. I actually got them. souvenirs. You know yeah, no question. Yeah. He one of the greatest ever do it. So no yeah, question. Yeah. No question. Hey, just, he got rid of the ball so fast though. Bro. Smart. Smart, bro. Super smart, man. Yeah. Especially that Peyton Manning when he was with the Colts in that RCA dome. Yeah. Hey, Don't run up in that wrong night. Man. Let me ask y'all this before we go. I gotta ask a question. All right, so both of y'all on the back end. Yep. When Peyton calling out your coverages and you trying to disguise with all your heart, mm. what that feel? You demoralized. Oh, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> hey, but let me tell you. Hey, the, the, don't the, this, man. But hey, Pat P, <laughs> Pat P, Swaggle, let me put you on game real quick. When we played okay. Peyton the first time in 2005, they, they, they slaughtered us. I think they beat us like 26, 28 to 7, Monday Night Football. The great Dick LeBeau, when number one Bill Carroll came in the locker room, he said, listen, we're going to be right back in the same locker room in January. Because at that time, they were like the cream of the crop of the ACC. Yeah. So All when right. we played them in the second round of the playoffs, the great Dick LeBeau came in on Monday. He said, what we're going to do is, guys, we're going to have a play clock on the practice field for the defense, not offense for us so we like play clock he said what i want you guys to do is hold your disguise until eight seconds so everybody who's not on the front who's not who's not on the ground with their hand in the dirt i want you guys to look at the play clock don't even worry about the formation that we're showing you from the scout team so at first we were confused like if we look at the play clock we might be out of position say just trust me he said, just trust me. So whatever shell you guys are showing in the back end, I want the linebackers to be involved as in, in the shell as well. So if you're showing a cover four, cover three, make sure yeah. you guys show it all together. But when the play clock hits seven, roll into whatever it is I call. Mm-hmm. So he, didn't, he didn't tell us why he wanted us to do it. He just wanted us to execute it the first day, which was Wednesday. So on Thursday, he said, do you guys realize why we're doing this? We still was a bit confused. He said, listen, right, right. the thing about Peyton, they're confused. They're manipulating everyone, everybody at making us think that it's an up tempo. It's not up tempo. All they want you to do is show your hand. And when he sees what you're in, he's he's checking to offense that can beat whatever it is you're yeah. in. It's not an up yeah. tempo. It's about making you feel like they're going fast so you can line up in whatever it is that you're playing. Dictate. They want to dictate. The exactly. great ones dictate, bro. Yep. Exactly. So during that game, if you go back and watch that game, they had no answers for our blitz concepts. They had no answer. We were just killing them because he didn't know what we were in. And Dude, that's y'all, why. Y'all, great was so big- crazy. y'all was so crazy athletic, too, bro. Y'all had so oh, many. Man, it was man. ridiculous, bro. It was. Yeah. Ridiculous. Man, what's your experience with that, man? 
with with with, with Peyton. I only had an opportunity to play. No, Peyton. no, I'm I'm saying whether it be Aaron, whether it be Tom, like because they they in that same like oh yeah. we gonna hold it until you show us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, Aaron's probably the closest one that I do it. Tom really don't do it as much as Peyton did, obviously, or much as much as uh, Aaron do it. Yeah. Yeah, once they once they call that sucker out and be like, oh, oh. they did such and such. So now they switch to another like, God damn. Dude, <laughs> yeah. dude, listen, bro. So so eventually, eventually I start paying attention to the back end because mm-hmm. y'all know how all that stuff tied together. Um, figuring out how much time you got to get to a quarterback based on what look we in and all of that type of stuff. So I start studying it, man. Man, I don't know how y'all do that. Bro, I swear to God, bro. Like, listen, bro, when if 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 I'm in a game, if I'm in a game in one of y'all's situation, and damn Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald climbing on me, and right. I know he runs runs routes better than everybody, man, I'm panicking like hell, bro. I'm grabbing. <laughs> <laughs> so from a, I don't know if y'all ever hear, but bro, from a defensive level. We got major respect for y'all when y'all back down them islands, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Hey, it's yeah. vice versa, though. Because yeah, yeah. for us to be good, you guys got to help us out. No doubt. We got to get It's vice versa. No question. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes yeah. we might have to go a little longer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it, Marcus, man. Thanks for coming out. Oh, man. Dope, dope, dope. Much love, bro. Much love. Hey. Anytime, man. Y'all know I got a lot of respect for both of y'all, bro. Keep doing it. I'm proud of what y'all been doing. Um, Pat, personally, bro, I'm proud of what you've been doing, influencing LSU, taking care of your community. Be the same thing, bro. Y'all keep doing this, man. Like, we got to own some of these spaces, bro. Keep doing it. Question. Man, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you, man. Keep doing what you're doing as well, man. We here to support you. So anytime you need any one of us, you know what I mean? We here. I ain't a a tiger, but if you need me to go ahead and walk the tiger walk with you, just let me know. I got I got mad love for Tallahassee, big homie. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, oh, I take hey, you take me to a game and you and Pat P. I mean, y'all take me to a game. I take y'all to a game with Dope Cammy. I know you saw Dope no Cammy this past Sunday. No doubt. It was just yes, sir. All right, big dog. All right, y'all be safe now, man. All right, Pete. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.